Amen. Thank you, ladies, for leading so beautifully. We'd like to welcome you to Forks of Elkhorn Baptist Church. Whether you're worshiping in person or worshiping with us online, thank you for joining us for this special day. We'd like to give a special welcome to any guests that we have. If this is your first time worshiping with us, thank you for making time out of your schedule to be here. We invite you to pass by our welcome center on your way out. Receive a, a free gift, a small token of our love and appreciation for you coming today. But so great to see all of you here. What a great day it is to be in the house of the Lord. And at this time, I'm going to invite you to stand. Tell someone you're glad to see them here today. Could you do that? To thee be endless praise. 
remain standing as our praise team continues to
Thank you. You may be seated. Wow, what a powerful, powerful song. What a great message. Would we all not agree God has been faithful to us? And he is so, so good. He gives us more than we deserve. And I am humbled and honored to be here today and so grateful that you are here in person or watching online. I can't think of a better place to be than here, worshiping with you and and just lift and praise to God with every breath that we are able. I will sing of the goodness of God. Those are beautiful words. That's why I'm hoarse right now. I was singing out so much, giving him praise with every breath that we have. And one of the ways that we can talk to God and one of the ways we can communicate is by praying. And every week, I'm so grateful that we have a time of prayer set aside in our service where you can come to this altar and kneel. You can stand from your seat, certainly wherever you are worshiping today. You might be at the beach. You might be at the campground. Wherever you are, you can pray and make that your altar. But at this time, I'm going to invite you to come join me as we lift up our prayers together. Would you come pray with me today? May we pray together. There's no sweeter name than the name of Jesus. There's no other name under heaven given to men whereby we must be saved than the name of Jesus. And at the name of Jesus, one day every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Thank you, O oh God, for your faithfulness. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Father, that you will never leave us nor forsake us. You're with us always, and we praise you for that. Father, this morning, many have come to this altar, and many folks praying from their seats and watching online, and God, you know what's going on, but we cry out to you. We cry out to you in our praise and our thanksgiving. We cry out to you in our pain, 
our worry, our fear, our grief, our sickness, our lostness. Oh God, we pray today for your perfect will to be done in all of our situations. Father, I pray a special prayer for Jamie Tuttle and his family and the loss of his dad, that you would comfort them, God. Father, I pray for others who are in the hospital battling for their lives, for folks nearing the end of this journey called life. And we pray, God, for a miracle of healing, but we pray, God, if it be your will, that the transition from this life to their eternal life, Father, would be a smooth one. And Lord, that you would be glorified through it. Strengthen these families that are hurting. Father, there's some marriages that need healing today, and I pray that you would reconcile differences. Lord, there are folks looking for employment. May you close the wrong doors and open the right doors. Father, I pray for some folks who are waiting on a miracle. We believe you're still the Lord of miracles, and we pray for a miracle of healing, physical, mental, spiritual, financial, relational. Oh, God, we pray for a miracle in Jesus' name that with your wounds, with your stripes, we are healed. And Father, I pray if there are those worshiping with us today that are lost without Christ, that they might have an encounter with Jesus and they might be saved today for eternity. Father, bless every person today. You know our thoughts, you know our hearts, you know our ways, you know our words, you know our actions. And Father, I pray that you would have your way in each of our lives. Father, continue to bring healing from this terrible virus and all the many different strands. Father, bring guidance to our leaders, protection to our families, and bring revival and spiritual awakening beginning in each of our hearts and our homes and our churches and our community and our state, our country, and even across the world. May it begin in each of our hearts. Forgive me, Lord, forgive us when we've gotten in your way, when it's been more about us instead of more about you. May we never take for granted, God, each day is a gift from you. And may we embrace each day with a positive heart and a positive outlook and spirit. May we be quick to say, I love you, quick to say, I'm sorry, quick to say, I forgive you, quick to say yes to Jesus. So, Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would continue to move through the music, through the prayers, through your word, through the proclamation of your message, through your servant. And when I am weak, oh God, I pray that you would be strong. Help us, oh God, we pray, for we commit this service to you and the strong and holy and powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
Amen. If you have your Bible, would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 9? And as you're doing that, I'm so grateful. Our choir is here to lead us today, musicians, instrumentalists. Thank you all for being here today to lead. Begin with verse 35, Matthew chapter 9. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and disease. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. This is the word of the Lord, and blessed be the name of the Lord.
Amen. Thank you all for leading so beautifully. And again, thank you for being here today and allowing the Spirit of God to be in this place. Always like to share a little humor to get things started, to get you ready to hear more important things. You maybe heard about the elderly gentleman who was having hearing problems. So he went to the audiologist, and as he went, they fitted him for some hearing aids. Well, about a month passed, and he went back for a checkup, and the doctor said, your hearing is nearly perfect. And he said, I bet your family is so excited that you can hear now. He said, I haven't told them. I've been listening to their conversation for weeks, and I've changed my will three times. As I walk and jog through my neighborhood, I see many work vans and trucks. Maybe you see them in your neighborhood too. I see plumbing vans. I see heating and cooling vans. I, I see uh, cable or electric vans. I see tree service uh, trucks. Unfortunately, this past week, I even saw an emergency vehicle out in front of one of my neighbor's homes. But why are they there? Why are all those vans and trucks there? Because there's something that needs to be fixed. It might be a pipe that's clogged that needs to be opened up. It, it might be that there's an air conditioning unit that's down. It might be internet service that needs to be fixed. It, it may be some low-hanging limbs or broken limbs that need to be fixed. It, it might mean even some broken lives that need to be fixed or to be mended. This past week, I talked to one of our fine members, and they shared with me their concern about one of their family members. The words that they shared with me resonated with me and touched me as they said, you know, there are some things we just can't fix. That's why we put our trust in God and we pray. There are some things that just can't be fixed. That's why we put our trust in God and we pray. In our scripture reading today, we not only see Jesus walking around his neighborhood, but in verse 35 it says that Jesus had gone to all the towns and villages teaching in the synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Why was Jesus doing that? Because he saw that there were people that were broken, people that were hurting, people that were lost. And he was trying to, to bring healing and help and hope into their lives. If you were here last week or if you watched online last week, you heard me give not an exhaustive but a preliminary game plan for moving forward through this difficult season that we've been through. And I shared with you that everything we do at this church, all the ministries are going to be focused on three E's. And do you all remember that? The first D was having an encounter with Jesus. We want everyone 
who comes through these doors or any area of the church in any area of ministry to have an encounter with the living Lord, with the presence of the Holy Spirit. The second E is equipping the believer. We want folks to be taught how to live a life that's God-honoring, not to be conformed to the patterns of the world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds and spirit. And then lastly, that we would evangelize the lost. That's the plan that we would do our part in reaching out to a lost, dying, and hurting world to let them know that there is hope through Jesus Christ. And he loves them, and he will save them. But today, as we look at this passage of Scripture, we know in verse 36, it said, when he saw the crowds. First thing I want you to know today is that he sees your need. He sees your need. When he saw the crowds. We've talked about this before, but have you ever thought in this great big old world in which we live, if Jesus sees you and he sees me, little old you, little old me, that he's got enough things to do, does he even see you and me? And the answer is yes. He sees you and he sees me and he knows what our needs are. He sees today that some of you are here and you're in need of a touch of a touch. I uh, think about that story in Matthew chapter 8, verses 14 and 15, when it said, and Jesus, when he came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her. Isn't it amazing all the stories when we see Jesus touch someone Certainly, he had a divine, miraculous power to heal. But even for you and me, research and science tells us that there are benefits mentally and physically when we touch. This past year, we can do a lot of touching, could we? I mean, we could, we could all be doing that old... MC Hammer song, can't touch this, whoa, anyway, last time I did that, I fell over at a softball field when our softball team was playing years ago and my cleat got, so anyway, but the fact is, we couldn't touch people, and studies have shown, there was even a 2010 study that looked at NBA players who had more physical interaction with one another, whether it was through fist bumps, high fives, hugs, or huddled, that had more positive outcomes and more production both individually and as a team simply by the touch. This past week, we had a great vacation Bible school in person here. We were not able to do it in person last year, but we did it in person this year, and I started thinking about it midweek. I, I don't know if I should have been doing this, but I would position myself at different doors or in the hallway, and we're, when kids were walking down the hall, I would simply 
lift up my hand, and some of them, being small in stature, they would wind up and they would come to try to give me a high five. They loved getting a high five. Some of them would come and embrace me and, and give me a hug. And even some of them, when passing through, I said, you're entering the tickle zone, and I would start to tickle. I had some people lined up after the early service and said, can I be in the tickle zone? I said, no. But the fact is, people enjoy and need touch. How many news stories have we seen families being reunited with their elderly parent or grandparent after not being able to, to embrace them over a year or more that we're able to embrace. Touch is so important. Jesus sees yours and my need of touch. He also sees our need of thirst. You remember that story in Matthew chapter 4 when there was the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman? Remember she had an encounter with Jesus there at Sychar, Jacob's well, and when Jesus went there, there was a woman there, and Jesus asked her to give him a drink of water, and then she began to tell him some Samaritans and, and, and Jews don't interact and all this. And, and then remember what Jesus said in verses 13 and 14. He said, the water you drink will cause you to be thirsty again, but the water I give will cause you never to thirst. And he was talking about the living water. And then Jesus said, go back and get your husband. Remember that story? And she said, sir, I don't have a husband. He said, I know you don't. He says, truth is, you've had five husbands, and the one you're living with right now is not your husband. You remember that story. And you know what? I think from this story we see that this woman was thirsting for more than water. She was thirsting for love. She was looking for purpose in her life. She was, she was looking for something to hold on to, to embrace. And Jesus sees what our thirst and our deepest need is. Did you know that there was a study by the uh, U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention from September of 2019 to September of 2020, they reported that there were 1,956 deaths caused by overdose. In Kentucky alone, from September 2019 to September 2020, in the state of Kentucky alone, there were 1,956 deaths due to overdose. Sure, we can say, well, it had to do with stress and anxiety, job loss, isolation, which addiction certainly uh, thrives in isolation. Maybe it was because support and group meetings were abruptly ended. But the fact is, people were trying to quench a thirst because there was something deeper going on. I've said it so many times on my prayer list now daily I pray for 11 people that battle some form of chemical addiction, whether it's drugs or alcohol. My prayer list is up to 11 
daily that I pray for. And guess what? Every one of those 11 people are good people. And honestly, at least that I know of, 10 out of the 11 are Christians. But they still are battling addiction. You know what I often think? They're trying to self-medicate a deeper pain. The woman at the well was there for water, but she was looking for something deeper than the water. People that battle addiction are looking for something more than the drug they're doing or the substance that they're drinking. They're looking for something to fix that only God can fix. And I pray today that you would understand that Jesus sees your need. He sees you need touch. He sees what you're thirsting after. But he also sees that we need to have a transformed life. Do you remember in Mark chapter 5, there was a story of this demon-possessed man in the Gerasene region who was living out in the tombs? Do you remember that? And, and Jesus comes into the picture, and, and he said, Come out of him, you unclean spirit. And he asked what his name was, and he said, Legion, because we are many. And then he begged for, for Jesus to, to not take away those uh, spirits, and, and Jesus cast them into those pigs and swine. You remember that story? And they went over the edge of the cliff. You remember that. And then in verse 19 of Mark chapter 4, Jesus said, Now you go home to your own people and you tell them what the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. How many of us have been transformed by the great love of God and his spirit and we haven't told anybody what he's done for us? He told that man, you go back. He had a transformed life. They didn't even know who he was because he was clothed and in his right mind. But when he encountered Jesus, he was naked and out of his mind. That's the power of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He can take whatever is wrong and make it right. I'm so grateful for that power today. And I'm so grateful that he teaches us that we are to care for one another. Years ago, I shared at the early service, I had the privilege of going to church with the man that has gone on to be with the Lord, but some of y'all may have known him. His name was James Lynn. I called him Mr. Lynn. He sang in my parents' choir. Whenever there was a living Christmas tree that my dad and mom would do, he would be there to help build the tree that the choir sang in. He was retired from being a, a maintenance guy for the Kentucky Housing Authority. And I remember uh, one time when I was there as, as youth minister and I, I bought a new bookcase and I asked Mr. Lynn if he would come and help me put the, put the bookcase together. Had all these parts and everything. I remember after we got finished, after he got finished putting that bookcase together, there was a bag full of parts left over. He said, we don't need those parts right there. It looks sturdy and strong. It'll, it'll stay together. And a few years later, after I'd already come to pastor this church, Mr. Lynn went on to be with the Lord. 
And I still remember when I did his funeral, I called him Mr. Fix-It. I said he always had a smile on his face, and he could fix just about anything, even if there were a few parts left over. But you know who the real Mr. Fix-It is? It's Jesus. And he doesn't leave out any part. He searches our inmost being, and he knows exactly what you and I need. And I pray today that you would allow whatever's broken in your life to allow Jesus to come in and be the one to fix it, to be the super glue to hold your life together. But not only does he see our need, but he strongly cares for you and for me. He strongly cares. When he saw the crowds, it said he had compassion on them, for they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The word used for compassion was the strongest word that they could use in Greek for pity. And when you look at the root of the word that they used for pity, was actually meant the bowels. So when he had compassion on them, it talked about he cared from the inmost being of his soul. That's how much he cared, how much he loved. And he has compassion on you and me because he cares. He cares about your pain and my pain. I think about what Isaiah was prophesying about the coming of Jesus, the Messiah, in Isaiah 53, 4. Surely he took up our pain and bore our sorrows. He cares about your pain. He cares about your sorrow today. Remember when in John chapter 11, Jesus' good friend Lazarus died and Mary and Martha were crying and weeping? And Jesus, when he saw them crying in verse 35 of John 11, it said, Jesus wept. And then in verse 36, it said, the Jews said, look how much he loved him. He cares about our sorrow. He cares about our spiritual condition. What is your spiritual condition today? If you're here today and you're thinking, I can't wait for this to be over and where are we going to lunch, it's probably not in great shape. Because we need to be thinking about more than anything where we will spend eternity. As a matter of fact, that in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it said, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He cares so much for you and me that he would send his son Jesus to die for us. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. Last week I shared with you when one of the teachers of the law asked Jesus what is the most important commandment, and he said in Mark 12, 30, 31, the most important one is this, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength, and the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. He strongly cares for you and me. What about us? Do we care about people? If we are to be followers of Christ and Christians, we have to love our neighbor. 
And sometimes people can be pretty unlovable, and I'm sure to God sometimes we're pretty unlovable too. But he loves us anyway. I want to share with you a story I shared at the early service about a neighbor of ours. When I jogged through my neighborhood each day or our family, we would take walks. I would see this gentleman that I happened to know lost his wife right before COVID hit. He's in his mid-80s, battles Parkinson's disease, has trouble walking, speech is a little slurred, he's off balance. But I would see him on his lawnmower pulling a trailer with a shovel, a hoe, some, uh, some other weapons of mass destruction in the back of his trailer. And he goes to neighbors who have mole problems. And almost every day when I'd be out running, there he is with that lawnmower and that trailer in a different neighbor's yard, setting out traps, sitting there with his shovel, watching the dirt move, ready to go. I had already, when I had heard that his wife had passed, right when COVID was beginning to ramp up, I'd stopped and prayed with him one day when he was out in his front yard. But then we had an uninvited guest in our yard. We were seeing this dirt going down by our front sidewalk and around our tree and along our flower bed. And, and uh, so I decided I'm going to go ask my neighbor. So I went to my neighbor who was actually working in another neighbor's yard, and I said, would you have time? He said, well, I'll try to work in tonight or early in the morning. He goes, I work early. And he said, I'm up to 58 right now and counting. He's killed 58 moles in the neighborhood. He killed so many in one yard, they gave him a plaque calling him the Molinator. <laughs> True story. Who are you going to call? Molinator. But anyway, I ain't afraid of no mole. Anyway. But anyway, he, he came that next day, put out a trap, and next thing you know, another one bites the dust. And he took care of it. And I thought about that. Here he is in his 80s, grieving over the loss of his wife, going from neighbor to neighbor, serving, loving his neighbor. How many of us have perfectly good health? We won't give our neighbor the time of day. And there he is in his weakened condition, touching lives the way Jesus did. Something that seems so small but means so much to people. And we're going to have him over to eat or take him out to eat just to show our appreciation. I see him out every day in somebody else's yard. But then lastly, we were saved to serve. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest 
to send workers out into the field. You see, to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the common people were looked at as shaft that needed to be thrown away and burned. But Jesus looked at these common people as lives that need to be salvaged and saved and harvest that needed to be reaped. And that's how he looks at you and me. Did you know that? He looks at us as being fixable. He looks at us as lives that are broken that can be put back together again. But not only put back together, but to give us a purpose. We read in Matthew 20, 28, For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but rather to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He paid a price, a debt that we couldn't pay. And as a result, we are to show our gratitude by serving him and touching others with the love of Christ. Paul said in Ephesians 2.10, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. Did you know God has a plan for your life and a purpose for your life? Every single person. God can't use me. He used Mr. Lynn. He used my neighbor. Regardless of the rage, he can use you. He's got a purpose and a plan. Don't miss out on the opportunity God's given you and me today to make a difference for him. I want to close by sharing this. We're almost done. Wake up your child and your neighbor right now. So I want you to hear this. This past Friday, we had been over in Versailles, and my daughter Sophie and I were driving on Versailles Road, coming back into town. My daughter Sophie just turned 16, just got her permit a little over a week ago been driving, doing an excellent job. I brought her out here to practice in the church parking lot and everything. Excellent. As we were coming back from Versailles late Friday afternoon, we approached the shopping area where Starbucks, Dairy Queen, Buffalo, all that is, and there was a big wreck. There were two trucks and a trailer overturned and traffic backed up. And I said, Sophie, this is a this is a good lesson. I don't know what happened, but it only takes a second. We can't be too careful. You have to really pay attention because that looks bad. Light changes. We move on down Versailles Road. And the traffic actually was backed up all the way from that shopping area all the way back to past Hanley Lane, there by the car dealership and by the bank, if you know where I'm talking about. The, the right lane traffic was completely stopped, slow moving in the left lane. And so Sophie and I got in the turning lane to turn left onto Hanley Lane coming off Versailles Road, and there were cars lined up, and there was a car out in the middle of the intersection, not gone on through yet. And so I said, Sophie, I think there's enough room for us, there was still room to get around the car to get into Hanley Lane. Stand still traffic. Uh, light was, there's the thing we can't remember if it was flashing 
or if it were green, but the fact is we were in the turning lane. If it's flashing, you yield to oncoming traffic. Well, I said, look, so you can get around right there. And just as Sophie began to turn, a car coming at a pretty good clip in the left lane, we hit head on. Spun us around and caused us to face this way, airbags deployed. First thing, I wanted to make sure my daughter was okay. She got out naturally upset, visibly. We both were shaken. Um, praise God, we nor the gentleman in the other car were hurt, seriously. I mean, I, my ankle a little bit and, and our necks are sore. We went out and they did some x-rays at the hospital, at the ER, and praise God, we're okay. So when I was singing today about God's faithfulness and his goodness, I mean it. Because when you're in a head-on collision, you don't always get to walk away. And it just reminded me, once again, like I need another reminder, is that God wants us to focus on what's most important. Loving Him, loving our families, loving people, serving Him, and not to sweat all the silly small stuff. All the stuff we get bent out of shape about. Our lives, James says, are just a mist or a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes. And I'm so grateful, humbled, thankful that I can stand here today by God's grace that he saved me and he saved my daughter, this other gentleman, and that he still wants to use us to serve him. And maybe God today has saved you, not only physically, but saved you spiritually because he wants to use you for his kingdom and his glory. But you say, I can't serve. I, I'm broken. What needs to be fixed in your life today? Give it to Jesus. And he can heal you and help you and even use what was broken to minister to others. Are you ready today to give your life to Christ? Are you ready to say, I'm, I might be older, I might struggle with addiction, I might battle depression, but I want to serve. And I'll, I'll do anything I can for the Lord because of how good he's been to me. Or maybe you're looking for a church home. I say it all the time. This is a field hospital for the sin, sick, and hurting, not a club for the righteous. This is a place where sick and broken people can come to be made whole. So however the Holy Spirit leads you, I'm going to invite you in just a moment to come. Would you pray with me? Lord, I pray right now in the stillness of this moment, as you're examining our hearts, as we're looking inward, Lord, what needs to be fixed in our lives? Is it an anger issue? Is it jealousy? Is it envy? Is it insecurity? Is it an addiction? Is it depression? Is it loneliness? 
Is it a nagging pain? Is it a marital problem? Are there financial struggles? Are there relationship issues at work? God, whatever it is, we know you're Mr. Fix-It. And you can bring healing and help and hope. And Lord, maybe there's someone that's never taken that first step to the ultimate healing by giving their heart and life to you. May today someone pray a simple prayer to say, Dear God, I confess that I'm a sinner. Lord Jesus, please forgive me of all my sins. I ask you to come into my heart. Thank you, God, for saving me. I love you, Jesus. Lord, I pray if someone could pray that today and mean it, that they would make it known, Father, so people can rejoice and celebrate. Lord, maybe there are Christians that have been injured, broken, even in your church. I pray, God, you would mend those wounds and heal them and that they would commit today to serve you, to follow your lead and whatever area, Father, of ministry that you point them to. God, maybe there are folks looking for a church home. Lord, this is a special place, a lighthouse on this hill. I'm not perfect. We're not perfect. Where there are people, there are imperfections, but that's why we look to you to be our shepherd because you will never lead us astray. So, Father, may we call out to you as you call out to us and respond to your call in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to invite you, if you're in this place, to stand, and we're going to sing a hymn of commitment invitation. Won't you come? If you're watching online, contact me or our church office. It would be my privilege to pray with you about your commitment, your decision. Won't you come today as we sing? Out of my bondage, sorrow, and night, Jesus, I come, Jesus, I come into thy freedom, gladness, and light, Jesus, I come to Out of my sickness into thy hell, out of my want and into thy well, out of my sin and into thyself, Jesus I I come, Jesus, I come into thy glorious gain of thy cross, Jesus, I come to thee out of earth's sorrow. 
Amen. Would you be seated just for a moment? I so appreciate you all being here today, and I am humbled and honored and thrilled to introduce to you this couple that comes by a transfer of a, of a letter from another Baptist church in Lexington. Uh, many of you already know uh, Dr. Bill and Ann Carter. If you all would come up here beside me, do you all mind to come up here? What you may or may not know is that the Carters are the parents of Tracy Morford. And I'm so grateful today that the Carters come. And many of you all know uh, Dr. Carter was a longtime pastor of a sister church here in town and then has served over in Lexington at Emmanuel Baptist for a number of years, and so grateful that God has led you all here. And I know you want to pledge your love and support and prayers to the Carters by letting it be known by saying amen, amen, and applause. We welcome you all. Welcome. Bless you. I'll let you be seated. And, and if you all uh, would, in a few moments, if you would like to, join me out in the foyer so people can just give you a warm welcome. And I want to thank you all for being here today and for uh, your love and prayers. I shared it this at the early, and I want to say it again. It was not Sophie just got her permit. It was not Sophie's fault in this accident. I, her dad, told her to turn. I'm the one that said, Sophie, you've got room. You can go around. And then in this, I don't know if somebody came out of the line. I know some of y'all were close. But there was a car coming in the left lane is what we collided with. But it was not, I mean, it was my fault for telling her to turn when neither one of us saw this car out of the blue. So I just wanted you all not to give her a rep time to say, here comes Sophie, stay off the road. Because... <laughs> Maybe if you see me, stay off the road. But it was, it certainly was not her. She's an excellent driver, and I just give God praise that we're both here today. And uh, so many, and we don't understand why it happens the other way to so many who don't. 
they're precious in God's sight too, but for this time, we were, uh, by God's grace, saved. And so please continue to pray for us as we try to get folks plugged back in. Uh, be patient with us as we look forward to coming back together in person in August on Wednesday nights. Uh, I'm speaking with a caterer tomorrow about getting our Wednesday night meals going. Then we'll come up here to have our prayer meeting. Then on Sunday nights, we're going to do small groups the fourth or fifth Sunday night, the first month, will be a, a gathering. We're going to do a creek baptism, uh, if it works out with uh, Richard Jones and Happy Jack. And then the following month, on the last Sunday night, we'll be doing a mission project or evangelism. We're going to swap those every other month. And anyway, I'm excited. Again, this isn't an exhaustive plan, but a start to the great things that God has in store for us. I'm excited. Are y'all excited? I pray that you are. I'm excited. So I'm going to invite you to stand at this time. And if I went over today, my watch battery's dead, so I'm not wearing a watch. So forgive me. For, it's 1209. I went too far over. Thank you all for being here. I appreciate Jay Jacobs filling in for Bill. Bill and Linda should be getting home from a, a needed vacation. Appreciate you, Jay, being here. Close this out with the song. Thank you.